What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NFL strategy show. Tuesday night football showdown edition. That's right. It's Tuesday, and we're talking single game showdown slates. I couldn't be more excited. Shit. I'll take seven days of football. They talk about this being a novelty. I get it. You know, don't ruin the novelty. Don't ruin what makes it special. Well, I don't care. Anytime I can come on here, talk about football, bet football, play DFS. I'm a happy person. I'm also Dave Lockren with me as he was yesterday. And he will be every morning for these strategy shows. So long as we have them, Matt Gajeski, Matt, are you with me? Are you on board? Give us football any day of the week and we're happy. Lafay, dude, I think you need to wade into the college football streets and start playing some action football on Tuesday nights, man. I'm used to this. We do a football every single day this week if you're into college. But <laughs> if we're going to get NFL every single day, even better, man, even better. I hadn't thought about that. That's actually a good incentive for me to consider getting into this, this college football, uh, but more so these obscure teams like you and Ben Rossa do. You get to watch football every night of the week. Now, are you... Are you streaming them on some knockoff third-rate uh, dark website, or are you watching them on actual television? Are they actually televised? Uh, I'm a 26-year-old who lives in a studio apartment, so I have YouTube TV and I watch it on my laptop. Uh, well, I wasn't sure if I wasn't <laughs> sure if they actually have them available on but some yeah, yeah. channel. Is what I'm asking. They yeah, like tomorrow, Coastal Carolina plays Louisiana Lafayette, and it's on an ESPN channel. Oh, all right. Well, that works then. Look, I'll definitely get into it. But tonight, we got to get into a little bit more NFL football. We had the Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills push back to Sunday. Uh, you guys, unless you've been living somewhere other than Earth, are familiar with the, uh, the COVID-19 issues that we've had. Tennessee, a bunch of positive tests. And a number of players that, notable players, might I add, that likely won't be active today. So Matt and I are going to talk about all of that, both teams uh, break down some strategy and some uh, some tournament conversation. But of course, roster construction is at the forefront here, ownership and so much more. So we're happy to have you guys with us. You know what to do. If you're just coming in, hit that thumbs up. It helps us greatly. And it is the easiest way to help support us here at awesomeo.com. Subscribe, hit that notification bell as well. If you don't like it, we'll gladly refund your misery. Just click unsubscribe at any time you feel comfortable. But I think you'll want to stay. I think you'll like it here. We provide some pretty good stuff for free. All right, so Matt, first things first, let's talk a little bit about injuries for a moment. And we're going to tie in, of course, the COVID-19 stuff. As of now, you're looking at Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys and Michael Pruitt. I'll throw him in there just because. Uh, as three players that uh, are very unlikely to be. I, I don't think they're playing, right? So those are two, those are, those are two wide receivers that... Um, and by the way, I don't know. Let me ask you this. Are they officially out yet? Because the last report I saw was from yesterday morning. They need to be activated from the COVID list and they have not been activated. Okay. So no Davis, no Adam Humphreys. Those are two primary receivers on this team. This isn't like, and, and they will get likely get AJ Brown back, but this is very much not like you you have someone Khalif Raymond, you know, this is, or not, not just like a Michael Pruitt. These are, these are a few guys that have uh, been targeted a lot, frequently used, uh, and very simply, if you're just looking at target shares on the season, I know A.J. Brown has been out, but both Humphreys and Davis have 20% uh, target shares. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're huge losses. They are going to be going to players that were formerly on the practice squad, maybe not in a full-time role, but these are some guys that will see snaps tonight. Right now, A.J. Brown, luckily, he's expected to be back. So he gives this team at least one body to throw out a wide receiver that Ryan Tannehill can trust. All right, so on the other side, any injuries? Really, the only thing I feel like is worth noting, and maybe you've got something else, is uh, Zach Moss. He got in a full practice on Saturday. So you think he plays tonight? Yeah, that's it's an upward trend from where he was the previous week's. He had only logged limited practices, and that was not enough for him to get on the field. So I think a full practice should be enough for him to get out there. John Brown, I saw, was questionable, but it looks like he's going to play too. Okay, let's dive in. What do you say we start with the Buffalo Bills here? Up to you, man. I'm ready for both. Let's make it happen. The Bills, uh, really impressive team to start the season. Uh, they've played four games. They've won all four of those games. Now, they've had a couple close ones. 
They they were down. They were trailing significantly to the Rams, came back and won that game. Uh, the Raiders, it stayed moderately close, but they had a pretty firm grip on that. And then Miami made a late push, but they got that win against the Jets in week one. It was, it was no contest throughout. They smoked them. But the story of the year has been Josh Allen. Uh, he's been spectacular. Uh, through and through, you're getting elite fantasy production from this guy. And even against Vegas, where he came short of 300 yards passing by 12 yards for the first time in four games this season, he missed a couple drives because he was injured and then came back. So very likely would have had four consecutive 300-yard games after never registering a 300-yard game in his career prior to the start of the season. He's been spectacular, Matt, and it's really trans. Uh, it's translating to great numbers for some of his wide receivers, namely Stefan Diggs. Yeah, it's funny. It's almost like adding Stefan Diggs to the offense makes Josh Allen a better <laughs> right? player. So he doesn't have to throw to guys like Robert Foster every single week. Yeah, so yeah I, I think it is a big upgrade just to have, have Stefan Diggs there in addition to John Brown, more of a, you know, they're using Stefan Diggs downfield. That's not something that Stefan Diggs was asked to do a lot in Minnesota. But as far as Josh Allen, like the guy is averaging 9.0 yards per attempt. He's completing over 70% of his passes and he's actually throwing the ball deep and throwing it well. There's a couple of concerns, I think, just overall with Buffalo. They're favored in this game, and it's going to be hard to really know what Tennessee offers given all of their injuries and COVID situations. One thing I found that was kind of, I think, noteworthy, this Buffalo team is decent as far as plays per game go, but I dug into this individually week by week. 81 plays in week one, and since then they haven't eclipsed 59 plays. So I'm not necessarily sure this team wants to play fast. I think they're getting it done through efficiency, at the price we see with Josh Allen, if he sees any sort of regression, he's going to hurt you tonight. Uh, do you think we will see that? It's a question that needs to be asked, right? We take one point and try and parlay that into some 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 uh, insight for the next. Do you think that he will disappoint tonight? Is this a spot where at 19-5 you do have some legitimate concerns about him getting there? The concerns, I think, aren't even just him playing bad. Like, what if they just get up to a big lead and ride the run? When he, when you try to captain a guy, like, he's certainly viable in your in your utility spots. But if we're talking about strictly the captain spot, he's almost $20,000 on, on DraftKings specifically. And if they get up and ride the run in this game, like, he, maybe he just doesn't get to 300 yards because of game script. I mean, the matchup is still nice for him. They're not getting back a Dory Jackson. Some people thought he would return. He's about a week away, it looks like, still on injured reserve. They have Christian Fulton, their second corners, on the COVID list. Their best pass rusher on the interior, Jeffrey Simmons, is on the COVID list. So it's a great matchup. My question is just, when they're ahead, what happens? Yeah, it's hard to say. Jamal says, Laffy looking lean. Nah, dude, I'm, I I put on some poundage, bro. I, I weigh about 195 right now. Got to cut some down. Got to cut it down. I think it's just a slimming camera. But thanks, Jamal. Uh, I'll keep this camera angle going forward. Continue looking lean. Josh Allen is really expensive. You're right. Um, the, the thing too is there are a lot of surprisingly solid plays from this game on, on both sides. And we're going to get into all of them, but you've got some very expensive options. And if you do captain Josh Allen, one thing that means is you're, you're likely going that, try and get Stefan Diggs in there as well, because outside of Stefan Diggs, yes, you have John Brown, but there really aren't that many reliable options aside from that. As a matter of fact, there's nobody that I have supreme faith in. Sure. You could get some Cole Beasley in there, but is he the guy that you want to win tournaments? And if you're captain spotting Josh Allen and he doesn't rush for a touchdown, then you're in trouble. So, the thing is, yes, he's actually rushed for three touchdowns on the year, but he's not really rushing over the past few weeks. He only has seven, uh, not, he has eight rushing yards over the last two weeks uh, and then 27 rushing yards over the last three weeks, Matt. So pairing him with, with Stefan Diggs means that you're very limited for the rest of your lineup and you're likely not getting anyone decent from the Titans in as a run back option in this game. Luckily, there's some guys on the Titans that'll be on the field. I can't promise they'll be efficient or they'll see targets. But, I mean, there are people at the minimum price that will play a lot tonight. If you want to make the argument for captaining Josh Allen, that would be, 
I guess the argument I, I, I use to approach the situation, but I don't think I'm going to get a lot of him in captain. I think it'll be in the utility slot. Yeah, and we'll talk about those Tennessee guys momentarily. There are a few of them. We already talked about it at the top of the show. You're likely missing uh, two of your top receivers. You're missing your two and three, number two and number three receiver if you're Tennessee tonight. Uh, and that's going to have a pretty pretty significant trickle-down effect for this entire squad. What are we doing with the wide receivers here outside of Josh Allen? You've got Stefan Diggs. You've got Cole Beasley. You've got John Brown, who's got a questionable cha- questionable tag. But um, I actually don't know if he's going to play. I know that two weeks ago he came down with that in-game injury and was out for the rest of the, the, the game against the Rams. He returned against Las Vegas. Uh, and now he's having a calf issue that's apparently been nagging him all week. That's a pretty important one for a showdown slate because if John Brown is out, you're very likely going to see someone supplant that production, not the full production, but at least get the opportunities running those routes and getting those snaps. I thought he would play. He saw five targets in his return from injury last week. And unless I miss something, I don't think he suffered a setback. I think this is still just injury maintenance from the original injury. Am I, am I correct in that? No, that was, that was my thinking as well. And I can't imagine that with this game being pushed back to, uh, to Tuesday that he wouldn't be, be good enough to go at this point, but yeah, he was officially questionable and I hadn't seen it. You know, usually you'll see questionable, but expected to play. Right. And I, I didn't see that on John Brown. So I would just, as of now, I have to assume that he's going to play, but yeah, he was limited again in Saturday's practice. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to know, but I think both of us will probably be counting him as in right now if we had to decide one way or the other. For sure. That's the way I'm leaning. All right. So let's, let's talk about this wide receiving core then. What are you doing with, with the Beasley's, the Diggs, the John Browns? And if you want to, you can mix in the, the Dawson Knoxes and the Tyler Crofts who maybe we'll get to after those. I, so I love Stefan Diggs. The price you're paying for him, it's expensive. And we already touched on stacking with Josh Allen. And showdown, that's obviously something you want to do, especially if you're captaining a guy like Stefan Diggs and he blows up for that game that wins you the captain's slot. Josh Allen's probably coming with you, but it's an interesting situation just given how expensive they are. I actually really like John Brown for a price point, assuming he's healthy, and we'll find this out a little bit later today, but he still has a 16% target share, and that's a target share that's depressed by a two-target game where he left early with, with a calf injury. I think at that price, he's one of the top plays on the slate. He wasn't seeing too much of a like a less target share than than Stefan Diggs early in the year. So if he's fully healthy, I think that price is really nice in a guy like John Brown. What do you make of Tennessee's pass defense this season? They're, uh, they they were regarded as a pretty decent defensive unit on both sides last year, but uh, this year they they look pretty middle of the road in in both aspects of the defense. Uh, how does that play into your decision making today? Now I know it's only a single game slate, so it's not something that we had to be terribly terribly concerned about. But they've allowed 480 total yards and 464 total yards over their last two games on the ground. The rushing attack has been their rushing defense has been absolutely hammered, but they haven't been stellar defending the pass either. So I think you've seen some bit of regression in this Titans defense this season, which. Uh, you know, could result in the potential shootout in this game. 100%. Their, their best corner hasn't played a game yet this year. Dory Jackson started the year in injured reserve. Their number two corner, Christian Fulton, is on the COVID list. Their number, if you want to just talk interior pass rush, they've Jeffrey Simmons is on the COVID list. That bodes well for the run game. They just activated Daquan Jones from the COVID list yesterday. So, I mean, Daquan Jones is probably their best interior pass rusher that's going to suit up tonight. And he's had COVID for the last week, two weeks. So the guy hasn't practiced with the team. Well, maybe he's practiced with the team. I don't know. I don't know who practiced with Tennessee in those illegal practices. But anyway, that's a lot of guys on defense that are hurt or with COVID right now. Yeah, it's not good. I I, I think I think you're going to see a fair amount of scoring. Now, I know it's weird. It's a Tuesday slate. These teams very likely haven't gotten the same practice time in that they normally would. So all of that needs to be considered, sure. But yeah, I Tennessee really like- seems like they did. What'd you say? Tennessee seems like they practice just fine. Yeah, I know, right? Is that true? Stefan Diggs, though, uh, and Cole Beasley both have f- five red zone targets this season. Cole Beasley, listen to this, though. Pretty interesting stuff, man. 
Cole Beasley's been targeted four times inside the 10 yard line. That's twice as much as anybody else on this team. So you, know, you look at him as this just slot guy, short routes, not really so involved once you get close to the goal line. That hasn't been the case. Uh, they are throwing him the ball quite a bit, especially inside the 10 and inside the five yard line where he's tied for the most looks on this team. That's at least worth pointing out when you're talking about whether or not he can find the end zone. I'm a little worried about Cole Beasley and that is all true, but I think it's just what they've really shown in the last few weeks. So John Brown comes back from his injury in week four. He plays the majority of the snaps. Prior to that, in his absence, we saw Gabriel Davis come in and play a large snap share. And it seems they were impressed with Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis was running a lot out of the slot. He played more snaps and ran more routes than Cole Beasley in week four. So while Cole Beasley does have a lot of those red zone targets, they're front loaded to the beginning of the season. And it seems that Gabriel Davis has worked his way into more of a timeshare with Cole Beasley moving forward. You know, I just found it notable that with a healthy John Brown, Gabriel Davis still played more snaps and ran more routes. Does that mean you have interest in Gabriel Davis today? For sure. Cole Beasley is egregiously priced, egregiously priced. He's more expensive than John Brown. Yeah, that makes no sense that he's in. If you want to get him in the captain spot, you're playing, you're paying double digits, uh, paying upwards of 10 K, which is insane. So uh, you're not going to hear any argument from me on that, uh, especially given the, the, the comparative pricing, like you said, of a $5,800 John Brown. I mean, nothing was as egregious as Emmanuel Sanders pricing last night. But I definitely think that once you get down to John Brown, and there's one more guy on this team that we'll talk about as well, that's going to get, that's going to make things uh, really interesting. Let's go to the running backs. Zach Moss, if he plays, and I, I think every all indications are that he will play full participation in Saturday's practice. He's 2,600. Now, this isn't to say that, or did I say Zach Brown? Zach no, you said Zach Moss. You were oh, right. Okay. You, you were right. You didn't, you didn't say right. Zach Brown. Say, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that a band? Zach yeah. Brown? Is that, that a band? Yeah. Uh, country? Is yeah, country but you didn't band? even get it wrong. You said Zach Moss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. In my head, I just assumed that I got it wrong. Zach Moss is $2,600. He saw 17 carries in his first two games, and was getting some of that goal line involvement. Now, this isn't to say that we should feel great about Moss. No, of course not. And Singletary is a – look, I'm a big Devin Singletary guy. Uh, I was pretty disappointed when they drafted Zach Moss because I thought Singletary would finally get his year to, uh, time to shine. But all in all, uh, at a very discounted price point, what type of value do you see in somebody like Moss who can get those goal line opportunities if he's healthy? You spoke to it. It's going to be a timeshare to some degree. Moss handled 13 and eight touches in his two healthy games. He saw four targets in the debut game too. So it wasn't exactly just this ground and pound role. And more importantly, you hinted at the red zone usage. Devin Singletary wasn't really involved in the red zone. And when he was in week one, he failed. That allowed Zach Moss to get more of that opportunity prior to his injury. So when you know Zach Moss is on the field with those, let's call it, I don't know, six to 12 touches conservatively, if any of those come in the red zone, a touchdown I think is a little more likely for him than most players that are down in this, you know, 3.9K if you were to captain him. Yeah, and you just look at, like, say week one, right? Red zone attempts inside the five-yard line. That's what we care about. Three for Zach Moss, one for Josh Allen, zero for Devin Singletary. Uh, is this something that we see again today if if Moss is active and he's getting and he's getting opportunities? You know, it's very possible that it is. So the, to me, that's a cheap enough price tag where I'm willing to roll a dice uh, and, 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 pretend, and hopefully get some in there. Would you, would you have an aversion to running out Moss and Singletary in the same lineups in some spots? Uh, or is this, is, is this a position where you'd much more comf- be much more comfortable only having one of them? I think you can do it. I do not think it's like last night where you feel as comfortable about maybe both Saints backs or both both Chargers backs. Buffalo just doesn't run as many plays. Again, they haven't eclipsed 59 plays in a single game through the last three weeks. They're not playing fast football. They're fairly balanced. So even when they're up, they're not necessarily going to pound the rock. I think if they get up, you know, if say they get up by a score or two, I think they will do that. 
but they're just not a team that looks to run quite as much as some of the other teams we saw last night. So I do think it's viable, but maybe less so more contrarian, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I, I don't, I ultimately, I think one of these guys is you can't even look at the running backs in Buffalo and be like, you know, one of them is going to have a huge game because last year you saw a lot more rushing opportunities that they, they couldn't rely on the pass game. Josh Allen's deep ball was wildly inaccurate. Uh, and while they made, while they'd always get some big splash plays, they weren't nearly as reliable as he's been this year. Now, as good as Josh Allen's been, I think you see a little bit of regression here. He's been too good. Uh, but yeah, Devin Singletary has been solid without Zach Moss. He has 31 carries over his last two games. He got 11 targets over those games. He's been heavily involved. So I do like them, uh, but ownership is going to play a role. What's ownership coming in at on these guys right now? For Zach Moss and Singletary specifically? Yeah. Right now in the captain slot, we have Singletary 4%, Zach Moss 2.3. So I think that's because you're paying a premium for Devin Singletary, but if you're willing to go up to him, He's going to be contrarian because of it. If we're talking just utility slot, we have Singletary 32%, Zach Moss 18.3. Okay. So it, Singletary is about double. So I like the ownership on Zach Moss quite a bit here. Makes some sense to me. Uh, we'll round this team out with some tight end talk, unfortunately. What about guys like Dawson Knox and Tyler Croft? I mentioned this because you'll see some creative players come onto the scene for Buffalo sometimes and score. I've been the victim of that on multiple times this season. Dawson Knox, $3,400, almost seems a little bit too expensive at that price point, uh, $800 more than Zach Moss. Is there, is there any interest in getting to him or Tyler Croft in a contrarian move to get different on a team that has passed the football so well? Probably not, and it's because they're not on the field a ton. Dawson Knox, he's only running a route on 31% of Buffalo's dropbacks. Tyler Croft is just 25%. Maybe out of the two, you just save the salary and go with Tyler Croft because, you know, neither of them are running a ton of routes whatsoever. If we look just to last week, Knox ran a route on 34% of dropbacks to Croft's 23. Is that enough to really pay up for Knox? I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's enough to pay to begin with but then you want to jump up to Knox for that extra salary. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary either, but it's just one of these strange teams where you see strange stuff happen. And uh, oftentimes they will get like someone like Croft will get those, those rogue looks inside the red zone. So for like sure. if he was, if he was in the utility spot and a winning lineup tonight, I wouldn't be shocked if he had, you know, two for 25 and a touchdown at that price and ended up winning you the, the showdown slate, it wouldn't surprise me. But it, the, the truth is, if you and I are talking about it, it's more so saying, yes, we acknowledge that can very much happen, but it's hard to really advocate playing these guys and, and feeling good about it. How about just punting down to Isaiah McKenzie? He ran around on 29% of dropbacks last week, week four. He isn't seeing quite as many targets. I mean, none of these guys are really seeing targets, but – like I, at that point, when I'm paying paying for a guy who's running a route on a quarter of the dropbacks, I'm just going to try to pay the least amount possible. Sure, yeah, and I mean, if you're talking about potential for a for a big catch and run type play, I suppose McKenzie could be in the in the conversation there. But uh, his A dot this year is take a guess what his A dot is this year, dude. I don't even have a clue. They minus, use him a lot on like gadget gadget stuff. Yeah, minus zero point one. So he's <laughs> he's like essentially getting these little pitches behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's no, nah, this can't be right. A uh, hundred, yeah, hundred, a hundred percent, hundred percent of his yards have come after the catch. He doesn't um, have a lot of catches. No, 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 no. He has seven. Well, he's caught seven of his eight targets for eighty-eight yards. And he has 89 yards after the catch. This dude is just like Knox and Croft. You mentioned it. Would we be surprised if they're in the winning lineup? No. But is it likely? Also, no. Right. If he catches a screen and takes it to the house, it's possible. It's it's definitely possible. But, again, advocating for these guys and pretending that, oh, you got to love them today. Now, our job when it comes to these type of players, Matt, is to let you know, hey, they're there. Here's what their role has been. Here's what their involvement has been. And here's what 
you know, could happen. The, the likelihood of it happening is, is, is very low, but it's still there. And the truth is we've seen some crazy stuff happen in these showdown slates. It, it happens all the time, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it does. I remember like, I can't remember who the receiver was from Minnesota or something. It was like Laquan Treadwell or one of those backups. No, no, years. no, no, no. It was, you know what I'm talking three, about? Yeah. He had three touchdowns. Yeah. On like 10 on three catches. Yeah. Oh, right. it was Aldrick Robinson. Was it Aldrick Robinson? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Cause he, he has he like a cult following Fran- on Twitter. He came for San Francisco the year before. Right. I think he was on the Niners the year before and then went to the Vikings the following season. Yeah, he Maybe played I'm like wrong. 10 snaps and had three scores. Yeah. That it was him, wasn't it? I think so. Now I have to look. Okay, hold on. Let me see. Because I remember Sorry, this I... game. It was a primetime game. It was a showdown game. Somebody took down showdown with Aldrich in their captain slot. And he was like 0.2% owned. Yeah. Yeah. He uh you know what? I don't think it was him. I don't think it was him. It, it was it was so I'm I'm looking, I don't see any. I don't see any games with touchdowns here in 2018. I don't know. You know what? Someone in chat will let us know. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. They have to. But, yeah, I I remember that vividly. And, yes, he was on San Francisco the year prior to that. Um, Anyway, let's talk about Tennessee. Derrick Henry, look, Derrick Henry, I would be encouraged by the fact that a guy who saw 82 attempts over his first three games – Got a little bit of a break, right? Got that early uh, unexpected buy, and he had a little bit of time to 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 get not healthy, but to rest up a bit. Man, he takes a beating with the workload that he gets week in and week out. Now you've got him coming in against Buffalo. I, I think Buffalo's run defense is a little bit softer than than they appeared early on. If you're just using certain metrics like Pro Football Focus, they have them with a bottom four. Run defense, great run. Uh, run defense grade through the first uh, four games, and ultimately it doesn't matter that much because unless this game gets extremely out of hand, Matt Derrick Henry is just going to get as many opportunities as he possibly can handle. For sure, and if you look at the ownership on Henry, particularly in the captain slot, fifteen point four percent is not egregious. You know, Josh Allen is yeah. over ten percent higher than him. I think you can look to Henry and some contrarian builds in the captain slot. My, my question for you is like, what do you do around that though? You know, I, I think telling yourself some sort of story, like a game script story, maybe you see Tennessee going up in this game, riding the run throughout, and maybe you want to play the Buffalo guys on the other side in the past game. Well, Josh Allen's really expensive. Diggs is really expensive. Like how do you make that construction work? It's going to be difficult to make it work. Uh, No question. And you know what, Matt, you, Oh, so I'm still looking at this Aldrick Robinson. Was it <laughs> someone in the chat the said we were right? Was it the game against the Rams where he had two touchdowns on two receptions on nine snaps? <laughs> Sounds about right. Okay, <laughs> I guess you're right. I, it must have been Aldrick Robinson against the Rams then. Okay, yeah, that must have been it. Yeah, Derrick Henry though. Um, like when you're talking strictly opportunity for this guy. You're if you can tell me that what did you say his his captain spot ownership was coming in at 15 percent, 10 percent less than Josh Allen. And so he's essentially the same percent owned as Ryan Tannehill, and he's a fraction higher than Diggs. So all these guys are in the same range. So it's not like you're gaining a ton of leverage by playing Tannehill or Diggs. Out of those guys, I think Derrick Henry has the highest likelihood. If you just look at raw carries and touches of seeing the end zone and having a big game. I agree. And, you know, you're, there, there isn't – this isn't a game that I honestly think is going to get out of hand, but it's been so difficult to predict a game script this season. It really has. You know, the the, the Chargers go up 20-3 to three or whatever it was. The um, So many teams – you and I discussed this on yesterday's show. So many of these teams – uh, have and games have gone in a completely different direction that that many of us would have projected. So uh, I put nothing past any of these teams at this point, and I'll just continue to look at these games uh, in a vacuum without necessarily trying to figure out who is going to be the guy, or without trying to say, okay, well, I'm going to fade him because I think the game goes this way. I honestly don't know, but 
Is it possible that this game stays close? Of course, it should stay close. Derrick Henry at 15%, uh, 10% less in the captain spot than, than Josh Allen is pretty appealing. And he's $3,000 less expensive in a captain spot with, with the, with the upside of 30 carries. That's, that's something we really can't pass up. So the wide receiver position though, and we can tie in uh, Ryan Tannehill here as well, Matt, you've got AJ Brown expected to return, but no Corey Davis and no Adam Humphreys that throws a wrench into the works for sure. Yeah, I I think you can play Tannehill and captain for the same reason we talked about Derrick Henry. He's projected to be the third highest owned quarterback. And typically, I'm not going to have a lot of quarterback in captain. You and I talked about this a lot. It's just like if Tannehill has a 300 yard passing game and A.J. Brown goes for like even 100 in a score, A.J. Brown still probably outscores him. But there is a chance that Tannehill spreads it around. We saw it with Justin Herbert a couple of times this year. And I think he's low enough on where you consider it. In this particular week, though, like, my goodness, the stacking options are are thin. Do you have a read on this this situation behind A.J. Brown? Uh, it's a tough one. It's it's really difficult to figure out. A.J., well, let, let's start with A.J. Brown, as a matter of fact. Let, All let's, right, let's get the one guy that we know out of the way. <laughs> yeah, let, let's start, exactly. Let's start with A.J. Brown. He's played one game. Uh, many people were disappointed in that, that opening game coming off a big breakout rookie campaign with the Titans. Now you've got, and, and this is, I think this is where it begins to get really interesting is AJ Brown is likely going to see a lot of Tredavious white. And if that's the case, does that number one concern you? And number two, do you expect things to get opened up across the rest of the field as a result? I don't care a ton about wide receiver corner matchups, especially when A.J. Brown is literally the only guy on his team that is a viable target. Maybe you could consider Jonu Smith in this range. But we saw it with a similar situation in, I believe it was week one, when Dallas was going up against L.A. and we had Amari Cooper on Jalen Ramsey and people just wanted to ask, like, do we fade Amari Cooper based on the matchup with Jalen Ramsey? Amari Cooper had 15 targets in that game. I don't know if A.J. Brown has that same target ceiling. He's not in the same offense, but the point still stands. Even in these tough matchups, like who else is Ryan Tannehill going to throw to? Like who's is going who's going to be his main target? And if it's contrarian, which it looks like it will be, even better. If A.J. Brown has a good game at low ownership, I mean, you're sitting pretty. If you put him in captain, if you play him in utility, it's all good. Uh, I know right. you like Tredavious White. What's up? I know you like Tredavious White. No, no, no. But I, I ultimately, I agree with you on something like this. I'm not going to let it on a one-game slate dictate whether or not I'm playing a guy. I, look, it's straight up. I, not to mention, look at yesterday's game, right? Look how many insane catches there were in spots where players never should have caught the ball. Forget about just individual coverage, but like Alvin Kamara down the sideline, juggles that ball over his head three times before hauling it in in super tight coverage. Uh, Mike Williams with some circus catches in double coverage more than once. That happens in these games. And with one game, I'm not going to fade somebody because of who's going to be on them. What, what I am suggesting, though, is it's possible that maybe some of these secondary tertiary receivers get more targets in this game than they would if it was A.J. Brown going up against this, the Atlanta Falcons secondary instead. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean – Outside of A.J. Brown, we're looking at a lot of guys near the mid price. I know Khalif Raymond is kind of in that middle price range. You think he's the clear wide receiver too? Yeah, I, I do. But how clear – in terms of clear wide receiver too, what does that entail? All right. Yeah. So That's what we got to get – that's what we got to get to pretty much. I think he is the wide receiver too. If we just look at snap totals and routes run when we had AJ Brown, or excuse me, when we had Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis, like in their most recent game, week three, Cleef Raymond still played 20 snaps. It's not a lot, but it's, I think significant. You know, he's not just a three snap per game guy. They're rotating him in a little bit and it hasn't led to a lot of targets in his three games. He has two zero and three, but again, we don't have Adam Humphreys. We don't have Corey Davis. I think the price is probably about right for a guy like this. So we don't have a large sample on, but he's expected to play a larger role. So price isn't a huge consideration for me with Cleef Raymond. I think he's probably right in the, in the range he should be. So you would put him at wide receiver too, 
as it stands right now. Yeah, I mean, everyone else on their team is basically a practice squad guy. Like, Nick Westbrook is an undrafted free agent from Indiana where he wasn't even the wide receiver one on his team. They have a lot of good wide receivers in Indiana. Cody Cody Hollister was the guy that played four snaps in week one for Tennessee, and Tennessee apparently didn't like what they saw because they booted him to the practice squad, and now they're forced to bring him back up. And then they signed Chester Rogers when A.J. Brown got hurt. So, So, sorry. I I think the real wide receiver, too, here – Obviously, not technically speaking, but it's got to be Janu Smith, right? Ah, dude, okay. So let's look at some other guys hurt on Tennessee, or I, sh- I should say with COVID. Sure. Michael Pruitt is out. Yep. He's their blocking tight end. Their fullback, Kari Blassingame, is out. They use Kari Blassingame a lot. I don't know why, but they use him a lot. That really limits what they can do with their personnel packages. And this is a team that runs a lot of weird stuff. They run a lot of fullbacks. They run a lot of two tight ends. Those are guys that used to block for Derrick Henry, and we know what this team wants to do. They want to block. They want to run. Jonu Smith has to be the next guy blocking, does he not? He's already just running a route on about 60% of dropbacks. I know when they're in pass game situations, they're going to run him on routes. But if this team gets up, I don't know. I think John is still going to block because we know Anthony Ferkser is not a blocker. They don't have another fullback. Again, Michael Pruitt and Kari Blassingame both have COVID. So I don't know. Questions worth asking. It is, and it's, I mean, solid analysis there. I just, what what do you sacrifice here to get the ball in the hands of your pass catchers? In saying, you have A.J. Brown, is there real, and you have Derrick Henry. Is there anyone else you can really trust outside of that? You just rattled off a laundry list of guys that a lot of people have never heard of. Uh, and then there's Johnny Smith. Like, in terms of, talent in terms of abilities, Johnny Smith is clearly the number two. For uh, sure. Yeah. How much can they get in the ball is another question. And how, how willing are you to pay that price on him? Because right now he's, he's up there in salary. You're, you're not getting a massive discount on Jenny Smith, which is, is somewhat understandable, but I, I guess there are some questions there relating to, do we want to pay up for him? as one of the higher priced players on this overall slate in this game. Yeah. I see some people in the chat saying like Tennessee has other tight ends and it's true. I'm just saying they will use John to block. And I mean, his target share is still 21% and he's only running around on just over 60% of the dropback. So clearly even with healthy wide receivers, John Smith has been someone they use a lot in the passing game. He has target counts of seven, five and eight. I certainly think he's viable, but I think the question remains if Tennessee gets up in this game, what happens? Okay. Thoughts on Ryan Tannehill? I think Tannehill's fine. He has kind of that sneaky rushing upside as someone like Josh Allen. And if you captain him, he's literally like 5K less. So that's significant too. And Tannehill's had a decent year. He's completing 67% of his passes, 7.8 yards to attempt. We talked about all of the defenses of struggles on the Titan side. Buffalo has some injuries too. Mainly, I, I see some people in the chat pointing this out as well that Matt Milano's out and they're talking about the matchup for, for John Smith going up against those linebackers. That is true with Matt Milano out. I do think it is a better matchup for John too. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, I've been talking about this when it was um, when Milano was out and uh, who was the, who's the other tight end that was out early in the season. Uh, uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Edmonds. Thank you. Yeah. When Edmonds was out, I was very high on Mike Kosicki and it was his best game of the year. Only because, you know, look, you have to be careful about projecting linebackers in and out and how much it affects pass coverage across the middle of the field. But with Milano, there's no question uh, that, that that this is going to affect them. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think Johnny Smith gets opportunity. Ultimately, when you look at uh, ownership, how does that affect him? He is, you know, projected for about he's, – he's pretty much in line with his salary, right? So when you look at how ownership breaks down – John Brown is the only one up in the top, like seven projected own, eight projected own players that feels like a, a real considerable discount. John U. Smith, I like him, but you, you're not getting a discount here. That's all. Uh, but yeah, is, is John U. Smith, like, are, do you see yourself with any lineups where you have Tannehill and, and John U. Smith and A.J. Brown and, and you go with a pass catching stack with the quarterback for the Titans? For sure, but I think you also need to think about this the other way. Buffalo probably needs to be leading in that game for that stack to hit. 
Tennessee is not going to take a pass-heavy approach if they're winning. And, I mean, there's always the chance that Ryan Tannehill just, like, hits A.J. Brown on an 80-yard score, and that's how they get up in the game. But I don't think that's likely. Tennessee is one of the run-heaviest teams in the NFL. And similar to, you know, both the teams we saw last night, when they're leading, they are going to run the ball and give Derrick Henry 30 touches. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not really enticed by by that approach. Like, the whole – Tannehill wouldn't be one of my – preferred options today his ownership is coming in at 56 percent. he's got the third most captain spot ownership maybe, maybe i'm wrong here maybe maybe you have to you have to to some extent project for a shootout my only thing is like how often matt and and, and it is a, not a rhetorical question this is a serious question how often is mike vrabel really willing to get away from a run heavy approach like how much do they have to be down by for him to get away from that approach. Um, I suppose it's possible that he'll do it, but we've seen Derrick Henry force fed opportunities, even when they're playing down in games, it's hard to know what it would take for them to start fading the run game. Luckily for the Tennessee Titans, none of the players really that affect their run game are hurt outside of like their 12 personnel tight ends and fullbacks. Like they have a a fairly healthy offensive line. Derrick Henry is obviously going to be out there and we know what they want to do. It is a, the Bills are a tough defense, so I'm not going to say it's going to be easy for Henry. The volume is certainly going to be there for him, though. All right. Any other thoughts here? I think we covered most of these te- or most of these players. Any uh, any defense? Any kickers? Anything that stands out to you as something that should be in play today? I guess most importantly, are you targeting any defense special teams here? I think you can look to the Bills in particular, just with the injuries on the Titans, but you know, it's still a game with a fairly high total. It's totaled above 50 points. So in those games, I'm typically not getting a ton of defense. I still will have some, and I don't get a ton of kickers either just because with a 50 point total and as many points that are expected to be scored, it's not likely that a kicker ends up in the optimal lineup unless, I mean, they, they do, they do through a bunch of field goals. I want to ask you something before we head out though. Um, outside of Corey Davis and Cleef Raymond, what do you think the packing order is for these Titans receivers? I don't know, and I, I don't even know if it matters, to be honest with you. And I, I don't say that just to, to brush off the question. I, I, don't, I don't really have any idea who it's going to be, and I don't know if we – I don't know if there's really any way that we can figure that out. Uh, if, I, if I had to guess, I'd say Westbrook comes in with, with the wide receiver three role, but how limited is it going to be? And – how much do we really need to get there? I, I guess the question is, yeah, when you're talking about these guys being the minimum salary, $200 on a showdown slate, maybe there's the shot that that somebody gets there. But on a team that you even said, none of the injuries, none of the COVID-19 absences are really going to affect the run game. They, they, they run the most, they run the, they're the most running back runs in the league. Uh, it, it, it would be a lot different if I was talking about a team that, that leaned on the pass and, and didn't lean on the ground and feed their running back literally up to 30 plus carries per game. I just think that the, there's going to be so little meat left on the bone once you actually start talking about potential target shares for these guys that whether he's your third or fourth receiver, what are we hoping for? One to two, maybe three targets? I think so. And I, you know, this brings up a follow-up question too. Tennessee runs a lot of 12 personnel. Like, is there a chance that Anthony Ferkser just is the de facto like wide receiver three, because he's mainly a pass catching tight end. He's not blocking a ton. Is there a chance that he just straight up runs over Westbrook? Yes, I, I think so. Absolutely. I think so too. And we we've seen this, we've seen other teams do this. It's not unusual uh, to see that happen. So yeah, I think you could be right about that. And if I were if I were looking at any of those guys, Ferkser would be the guy. He's had involvement this season when this team outside of AJ Brown was healthy. Um, he's a big enough bodied pass catcher to get a little bit of work done in the red zone if necessary. So yeah, if, if we're talking about one of these guys, mind you, you have one, two, what do we have? Like three or four active pass catchers at two hundred dollars. So, yeah. Two of them, two of them slated to see decent like target shares and snap shares and route shares as well. And Nick Westbrook and Ferkser, like they'll be on the field some tonight. I guess, I guess it's Ferkser. I don't know, man. It's 
it's it's ugly down there. It's, it's gonna ugly. be a great GBP night. Yeah, sure. So, what's your favorite build if you're doing single or three max? As we round it out today. For, I still like taking a contrarian approach in those things, even though uh, unless like the field's really small or something, I'm still going to try to be contrarian in those spots. If I'm not going to captain Derrick Henry, which I think is going to be my favorite move here, I would look to a more contrarian pass catcher, maybe for Buffalo. Someone I really like their price is still John Brown. I think he's just egregiously low. I can't believe that he is cheaper than Cole Beasley on this slate. And with John Brown, you can do a lot of things in your lineup. You can maybe stack him with, with Josh Allen. You can get in a guy like Derrick Henry, and you still don't feel terrible about your lineup. Like, I'm not sure you have to go down and play an Anthony Ferkser if you captain John Brown because his salary is so nice. We're going to close this show out with our top fade of the slate. But before we do, you guys know that COVID-19 is, has had a big impact on all of this. It's unfortunate. It sucks. But we've been getting uh, some additional showdown slates, some additional primetime stuff, and we just added all of the showdown content at awesomeo.com into the uh, the $3.95 a week express package. For less than 4 bucks a week, the NFL express package already had a lot of cool uh, premium content. But now everything for showdown, the showdown ownership projections, the player projections, the, uh, the top plays that with, ranked by ownership, by probability that they finish as the number one spot uh, or between two and six, everything built out for these showdown slates to make the best, most educated decisions and get an edge over the field. Alex Baker, you know him, awesome. Number one ranked DFS player in the world. He created all of these tools. He built them all from the ground up and he uses all of these himself. They're $3.95 a week. You're getting all of the showdown uh, content, everything, all premium showdown content included in that weekly package. So be sure to check it out. But there's everything else. You see Jordan's got it up on the screen. NFL Weekly is $15. That includes everything, not just for showdown, but for the main slates, for every site, player projections, ownership, the lineup builder. You can get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on as well if you're an MME player. Uh, All of our premium articles the top stack tool, which is my favorite tool on the entire site, uh, everything f- to, to gain an edge in tournaments and to become a better player, and not just to win more, but to learn how to win more and learn how to become a better, more disciplined, skilled, strategic player. Go to awesome.com slash join. Check it out. I think the monthly is the best bang for your buck, uh, but you can do annually. You can do everything. And if you want to do every sport, you don't just have to do NFL. You could do the all access, the awesome plus platinum with PGA, MMA, NASCAR, uh, League of Legends, you name it. If these sites have content or contests for them, we have content, premium, everything you need. Go to awesome.com slash join. Check it out. Uh, and if you have any questions, feel free to DM me on Twitter at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Hit me with a follow if you haven't done so yet. Same with Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski. We got to get these guys to start pronouncing your name right, man. I come on the shows and I say, say he just, these guys don't get it. They don't get it, Matt. You got to give Kyle a little tutorial, man. Oh, is it Kyle? I thought it was, <laughs> Ter- I thought it was Terry. I thought Terry, Terry came on. We're here with Matt Gajewski. Oh, <laughs> did it again. A lot of people do it, man. It's I mean, crazy. it makes sense. Yeah. People can't pronounce my name either, but nevertheless, uh, check it out, awesome.com slash join. And be sure, guys, to check out our podcast network. If you don't want to do it on YouTube, uh, any podcast flat platform that has podcasts available, we've got you covered. It's on all of those. And, uh, you know, it's a great thing to check out for sure. All right. Top fade of the night, Matt. We've gone up and down about a 50-minute show here. We don't have a show coming up next with Sal Vetri, Ben Rasa, and myself because it's a first-look NFL show. And, well, these sites still haven't released salaries. So maybe we'll do a pop-up show if we get them later on in the day. But as of now, we won't have one because we have nothing to talk about. So you and I went a couple minutes extra here. Pretty exciting game tonight. Uh, a little bit of, of novelty or a little, a little surprise with some Tuesday night football. Who's your favorite fade or top fade of the night? My top fade in DFS is going to be Cole Beasley. I think it's mainly a price thing with Beasley, just getting the wide receiver to John Brown, less expensive than Beasley. It's pretty egregious. Now we made the argument for Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis actually outsnapped and ran more routes than Beasley in their most recent game. And that was a game that had everyone healthy. So Beasley is my biggest fade. It kind of goes 
directly in line with me liking John Brown so much too. All right. That would have been the same fade for me. Uh, oh, I stole it from you, man. And, oh, that, that's perfectly fine. I just got to come up with somebody else. It's, it's tough to get to somebody like Cole Beasley. And I think that's why uh, his ownership is so low. That would be the only argument uh, in favor or against fading him is that he's getting 10% ownership, right? That he's very low, but right. It's still, it's, I, I'm still with you. It's still a price point that when you look at everyone priced around him, it makes life a whole lot difficult or a whole lot more difficult to get there. Uh, I'll go, I'll go with Tannehill at, at that ownership. I know it's, it's very, very, very sketchy to fade a quarterback. And I'm not suggesting when I say a fade, it's not a suggestion that you just fade the guy, but um, I don't know. I, I still think, Unless this, un, unless uh, Buffalo goes up big time, which I guess is possible, Tennessee hasn't had exactly the most normal practice routine through the week, and that could affect them. Uh, I'm just not convinced that you know, we're looking at someone in Ryan Tannehill who is going to be forced to throw the ball an excessive amount when you've got somebody like Derrick Henry that can run as much as he can. But ultimately, Matt, it would be Cole Beasley for me. I think that one stands out more than anything else. And you know what? If maybe, maybe I'll change my answer. If if Zach Moss is active, eight thousand feels like quite a bit of, of of money for for Devin Singletary. Yeah, I think the case for Devin Singletary is going to be a contrarian approach because based on the spread, Buffalo could be playing with the lead in this game. Devin Singletary, I do worry about his touches inside the red zone, but he's a very clear pass catcher. So there's a path to him succeeding. But like you mentioned, I'm not sure if it's as clear as some other players. Kyle Dvorak in the chat. Oh, man, popped up out of nowhere. I heard slander on my pronunciation and came through with the clap back. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> There's not, there much to, not much to clap back on. Although I tried to, you know, take a defensive role and pin it all on Terry McBride. So <laughs> <laughs> tried to help you out there, Kyle. Anyway, thanks for hanging out, guys. Uh, hit that thumbs up before you go. See, we got north of 100. We appreciate all you for hanging out. We'll be back with you. Uh, no Thursday night football. So Matt and I will be back with you on Monday morning for the Showdown Strategy Show. But we've got a shit ton of content coming up throughout the day, as always. So stick around. That means you've got Ben Rasa and Tim Frank going to take you through the PGA Strategy Show. you got Jake and Terry with um, with Live Before Lock. You've got Alex Baker and Kyle Dvorak tonight with Tuesday Night Football Live Before Lock. Everything popping off on YouTube's uh, awesomeo.com youtube.com awesomeo channel that was butchered it's time for us to head out of here we'll see you soon again no first look strategy show we don't have salaries we'll see you back here soon thanks for watching guys